Acts chapter 28, verses 25 through 28. Okay. So they disagreed with each other, and as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that, may, so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. The word of God. Thanks be to God. It's very ironic that in reading this scripture about eyesight, I could barely read the, the back screen back there. Let's begin with the story that provides the context for our reading today, because Paul finally arrived in Rome and was allowed to live by himself along with the soldier who was guarding him. Paul called together the local leaders of the Jewish people and defended himself, explaining that he had done nothing against the Jewish people or against their customs and traditions. But he had been arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans, and he told them that this happened because of his belief in the hope of Israel. The leaders told him that they had not received any news from Jerusalem about him, and they would like to hear more about this message he was preaching because what they did know was that everyone was speaking against it. So Paul, explain, Paul explained to them his message about the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus. Some were convinced, and others were not convinced. The local leaders disagreed with each other about Paul's message, and Paul made one further statement, as we heard in our scripture reading today. Paul said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors, through the prophet Isaiah, you will indeed listen, but never understand. You will indeed look, but never perceive. And at the end of the quotation from Isaiah, Paul lets them know that the salvation God has sent to the Gentiles, which means to the rest of the world, to the people who do not come from the ancestry of Israel, they will listen. The local leaders of the Jews left the house, but they were not in agreement with each other about how to respond to Paul. The book of Acts ends by telling us that Paul lived there two years, boldly preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. As I studied and prepared for this message today, one sentence came to mind from this story. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen. Now, I'm going to try to explain this and expand this further. I chose the word religion, but I'm not going to try to give a definition of it because we could be here all day. Instead, I will make some distinctions. Obviously, by religion here, I mean Christianity, which is what we're studying here at the end of Acts. And yes, I could have said Christianity depends on those who are willing to listen, but I wanted to leave it as religion because 
I do, I do get the sense that any of the world's religions in many ways depend on those who are willing to listen to them. Priests or prophets could preach their hearts out on street corners, but if no one is willing to listen, that idea, that ideology goes nowhere. So what we're describing here is a system of beliefs that come together when members of a society agree that this is what they're going to believe. In the book titled Nine Theories of Religion by Daniel Pauls, one basic understanding of religion is the beliefs and ideas that people foster to explain what they experience in the world. Religion is addi additionally interpreted through group needs, group feelings, group structures and activities. Religion turns out to be communal and social when an idea viewed as valid by one person comes increasingly to be shared by others. So, one way to understand religion is by seeing within human societies an arrangement of life that brings beliefs and rituals together and that brings the sacred things together under one unified system. The individual members of the society assent to the system and the collective group comes together to share their common beliefs in what sociologists loosely label as a religion. Additionally, the theorist Talal Assad points out that religion and society were once thought of as a single integrated unit. Taking the study of religion outside of and independently from the context of the culture in which it exists is not the way that this was done historically. According to Assad, religion was traditionally, both in Christianity and around the world, viewed as inseparable and interconnected with all aspects of human culture and civil society. Now, let's look again at the new religious views that Paul is trying to share with the people in Rome. The Jewish leaders say in verse 22, but we would like to hear from you what you think, for with regard to this sect, we know that everyone everywhere has spoken against it. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Luke, the writer of Acts, summarizes the main points of Paul's message in terms of the kingdom of God and Jesus. The concepts are interrelated. Jesus is the representative and the representation of God's sovereign kingdom realized in this world. God's people are summoned to gather around Jesus. The message of the Gospels and of the book of Acts is that the kingdom of God has already arrived in Jesus. Clearly, this is not what they thought it would be. Paul pursues his plan to convince them of this plot development through the foreshadowing of the scriptures from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Although Luke does not specifically tell us which texts Paul used to demonstrate God's intentions for God's kingdom, allow me the liberty of making some suggestions. If God's people had been listening, would they have heard what God's kingdom is supposed to be like through the message of these prophets? Here's a list that I'm suggesting. Jot them down, put them in your phone, take a picture. Maybe you can look at these on your own time and see if you hear something of what God's intentions are for God's kingdom in these prophetic chapters. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen.
Religion depends. How could it be that religion depends on anything, particularly on us, humans? Well, I think that we see in this story, what we see in this story is that even if truth is being preached or proclaimed, even if we believe that what we have is the truth, what does it matter if it is ignored? Verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, while others refused to believe. When theorists study religion, along with their fieldwork, they emphasize culture as the central component of anthropological study. They contend that in field studies, they are examining not just a specific society, but an entire system of ideas, customs, attitudes, symbols, and institutions of which religion is only one part. Human culture is not only about meanings or beliefs, nor a merely self-contained system of symbols. Behavior also must be noticed because it is through behavior, or more precisely through social action, that our cultural values are expressed. This will lead to the circumstance that the account of a cultural system will not always be completely consistent. People sometimes act in ways that conflict with the system of meaning approved by their own religious culture. Cultural systems sometimes exhibit several contradictory patterns. In addition, there's also the problem of finding the balance between the collective group and the individual when it comes to understanding how religion works. The author, Willie James Jennings, whose commentary we have been reading alongside of Acts, also points out in his summary that, the, that there are struggles of diaspora living in a foreign land when you want to protect your cultural her heritage from being lost. But in Acts, the question is, at what cost? How important is it to conserve and protect one's cultural heritage and traditions from a new message, a new way? Because religion seems to depend upon people who choose to believe what was previously thought to be unbelievable. The philosopher William James argues that people who do believe stand on ground equally as firm as that on which disbelievers choose to stand. Holding religion out of hope of its truth is no less justified than rejecting religion out of fear it is in error. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen. Who are those? Acts clearly tells us that all are invited and welcomed into this new expression of religion found in Christianity. From this chapter here in Acts 28, it is not accurate to assume that Jewish individuals would have been excluded from this time forward. Look at the second to last verse of Acts, verse 30. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. The now familiar pattern of rejection that occurred every time that Paul entered a synagogue repeated itself here in Rome. Throughout his travels, Paul and his companions were not allowed to continue visiting any single synagogue. Eventually, they were always forced to leave. It is noteworthy that it was the local leaders of the Jewish people in Rome who came to visit Paul. And it was this leadership that, on behalf of their respective synagogues, officially refused to accept Paul's message. But in spite of this, in every place that Paul traveled, individual Jewish believers chose to break with the official position of the synagogue and willingly joined the growing Christian community. It is a misinterpretation of Paul 
to think that because the Jewish leaders had rejected his message, that then his reaction was to turn to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world. Rather, one of the controversial things that Paul had always preached since the beginning of his ministry is that God's salvation had already been sent to the Gentiles. Therefore, in the context of all the stories in the book of Acts, the end of this last chapter is not about Jewish exclusion. It is about Gentile inclusion. Those who had previously been considered the enemies of the chosen people are now embraced among God's people. We have already seen this in Acts. This is the story of the inclusive gospel, God's salvation for all human beings. And Jennings reminds us that this quote from Isaiah is depicting frustration, not rejection. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen. Who are willing? Do things really work like this? What does our willingness have to do with it? As we read in the scripture reading for today in verses 27 and 28, they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. That's what Isaiah proclaims to be God's message to God's people. Therefore, Paul says, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. As Luke writes this account of the beginnings of Christianity, it is evident that he recognizes that the Christian message is intentionally seeking to change and revise some of the prevailing culture's most basic religious and social customs. Luke is not trying to convince people about the Christian message with this book. He's writing to people who already are faithful believers. What Luke has to do for his readers is to explain to them why it is that this seemingly unstoppable gospel has in fact not been affirmed by the leaders of the one community that they could have expected to be the foremost in embracing it. In proper journalistic fashion, he cannot narrate the triumphant advance of the gospel message without also disclosing its heartbreaking dismissal by many of the first audiences to receive this proclamation about Jesus. The willingness to turn. What does turning look like? Is this our fault that we cannot hear or see? How have we become calloused? Is it true that God really wants to heal? God's salvation is sent to others outside of the primary circle. What makes it so that they will listen? I don't want to get too specific here with theological language. I don't think these verses tell us as much about God and our free will as they tell us about ourselves and how human history has developed based on our willingness to listen or our desire to shut our eyes to the truth. Religion depends on those who are willing to listen. Listening here in Acts involves taking action and taking critical notice of the message at hand. As we read in verse 28, let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Hearing becomes the central concept in this last story of Acts. Some form of the verb to hear can be found five times in this section. First, we find it when the local leaders say they want to hear Paul's views. In Paul's quote from Isaiah, hearing is mentioned three times. And then lastly, in verse 28, the Gentiles will listen, which means to hear in a way that is receptive and responsive. The lament of Isaiah and Paul's lament 
is about people who merely perceive sensory data but do not appropriate the information. The sound goes in one ear and out the other, hearing without understanding. Their eyes are looking at the sights, but they are lacking any insight because they are calloused and stubborn. The messages they received were neither understood nor acted upon in any way. Because if they had truly listened to God's message, they would have actually done something in response. They would have turned from the path they were taking, and they would have accepted God's healing and redirection. At the end of his commentary on Acts, Jennings reflects that Acts clarifies for me the depth of change necessary for enacting the life of the Spirit. Looking at this idea here about religion's dependence upon those who are willing to listen and taking into consideration that at the time of Paul, religion and culture were inseparable, as was seen by the difficult decision that the religious leaders had to make in promoting, in protecting their cultural values against this new message. What I'm seeing that the story of Acts tells us is that the Christian religion is a way of trying to grasp the infinite knowledge of God through finite things that we can try to understand. Through Paul's message about Jesus, we are made aware of the self-understanding and the self-realization of the infinite God who is trying to explain to us God's kingdom through Jesus in ways that finite human beings can understand. Human culture is the totality of all of our experiences in life, all of these phenomena, all of these things that we see, hear, and believe. But the totality of all these experiences does not always allow us to see them for what they are, the culturally conditioned values created by humans for various means and reasons. Our cultural beliefs and perspectives are only a limited understanding of what is real and true. It's often our immersion in culture that makes us think that the things that we believe are right and beyond question. So we need religion within culture. Culture is the totality that engulfs everything that we think and everything that we believe, including religion. Think about it. Depending on what part of the world you were born, depending on what culture of the world you were born into, this will often determine your religion. But the Christian religion, in the way that Acts is describing it, is that which makes the totality of culture aware of its limitations and of its finite reality rather than uncritically accepting culture's claims of being unconditionally correct about everything. Religion is what makes us critically aware of what culture is teaching us. Religion is what makes us realize that only the infinite, unconditioned God can break into our conditioned culture and our imperfect system of beliefs and help us to see things differently and listen in a way that we've never heard things before. Our problem is that it is so easy to confuse our religion with our culture, our nationalism, our preferences, our customs. But genuine religion about the divine creator of the universe is more than these things, and it helps us to listen critically to our culture so that we can hopefully hear what God is saying to us. I myself and many of us here are Gentiles. We do not come from the ancestry of Israel. But are we listening? We may not be the chosen ones, but are we listening? I know that the temptation for me is to think everyone else is blind and deaf, but not me. But I have to question for myself, am I truly listening? Because 
as we see here at the end of Acts, the future of religion, Christianity, the Seventh-day Adventist church, the La Sierra church, depends on those who are willing to listen. Amen.